Well, good morning, Jeff Fuller with you. Uh, as always, we try to resource you with some great interviews, some uh, tremendous stories, and some helpful tips on how to live this Christian life in a practical way, in a relevant world that uh, we find ourselves. And so one with a tremendous story is the one, the only, Adam come. Adam, how are you? Good. How are you, Pastor Jeff? I'm doing well, and I don't know if you know this or are aware, but several years ago, I actually visited your church trying to raise money, and I was given your card and your email, and so that's how I first contacted you, was just sending you a random email saying I was part of a Christian ministry, but the, uh, the connection is you are in Grand Rapids, Michigan, where my wife is uh, from, and you were a pastor there. You've taken on a different role now. But could you just talk about what it has meant to you to be a local church pastor? Yes. So um, when I was first, uh, I grew up as a pastor's kid. And so I have seen both the the glory of church and the under ugly underbelly of, of church. And so... I remember people coming to faith in Jesus and their lives being transformed in, in church. Um, but I also remember some pretty tough times. Uh, you know, I'd hear about board meetings or, or just, you know, things that have gone awry in the, in the church. And I did not think at all I would go into ministry, but, um, God gave me an opportunity as a teenager to get involved in leadership in my youth group. And then, uh, through that experience, called me into into ministry and I think that to be a a pastor in a church is really um, a uh, it's it's a unique position because you're not fully leader in the sense that other um, you know other folks are, are leaders in a in a group but it's it's really a, a a following of of the Holy Spirit's leading um, and also just trying to be faithful to to the word of of god and what god wants to to do through you and so um yeah it's it's an interesting there, there's not another i don't think leadership position like it it's it's a yeah. interesting thing and it's not for the faint of heart and i was told in bible college that sometimes all you have to hold on to is that god called you it's uh, more than a career it's a little bit different but for myself, I'm uh, a pastor of a local Wesleyan church. There's mm -hmm. only two local churches in the entire state of Vermont. What is it about the Wesleyan denomination that drew you or sort of kept you all of these years? Yeah, you know, I think that it is our a holiness that is whole. That's that's the vision I think of of the Wesleyan church. There's this. There's a sense that God calls us to be other than the way of, of the world, that we are are different and distinct, a peculiar people, um, which has implications both for our personal life so that we get to become who God created us to, to be, but also implications for the rest of society where we're calling, uh, we're also called to a social holiness that, um, you know, historically in the Wesleyan church, we've engaged in. Uh, anti-slavery and um, women's rights and uh, seeing and immigration and seeing um, the holiness that is inside of us also spill out into into the rest of of the world. I, I think that vision of 
of God's kingdom is just a powerful, a powerfully driving force in, in my life um, and in the life of the, the whole denomination. Now, won't you uh, take a moment, just share with me how your wife and yourself began or planted a local church. Uh, was that a difficult decision or did you kind of want to break away from some of the traditional church mindset? What led you? And well, frankly, how did you get your wife on board or how did she get you on board to go on this journey? <laughs> what a great question. Oh, my goodness. So, um we were not on the same page in terms of ministry when we were dating. We met at Indiana Wesleyan University. Uh, we're falling in love, but the only thing that we fought about was ministry. And so I remember having, you know, I would. There, there were moments where I thought this relationship is not going to make it because we are not on the same page with with ministry and what our lives are going to look like. Both of us called the ministry. Um, both of us figuring out that what that call meant. Uh, but both having very different visions of what ministry would would look like. So we fell in love anyway. And uh, I had sensed a call to um, urban, multi-ethnic um, ministry. And um, there weren't a ton of multi-ethnic churches in the Wesleyan church at the time. And so I thought that has to be church planting. You know, I can't imagine it any other way. And my wife um, was called the ministry, but uh, and was open to to that. But she said, "Why do two hard things? Why why do multi ethnic church and a church plant? Both of them are difficult. Why why do two hard things?" And so um, we ended up spending a lot of time in seminary, just praying together and asking the, you know, we we just when we got married, we were at loggerheads. We weren't. So we took what we thought were safe jobs and um, we just kind of put it on hold, you know, the the vision for our, our lives on, on hold and said, God's going to figure this out eventually. And so when we got together or when we went to seminary, we we spent every Sunday night just praying together and saying, OK, Lord, we we both have thought that we've heard from you. We put all of that on the table and you're going to have to to speak fresh vision into our lives. And over the course of about a year and a half um, of praying and writing down what he says to both of us and leaving on the table what was only said to was only said to one of us, um, we we came to a common vision of of ministry, common set of values, and it was really out of that experience that City Life was born. Yeah, that's a sermon in itself on just how to find God's will, especially as uh, as a married couple. Um, where do you believe that multi-ethnic passion came from? And I ask simply because, well, I'm Korean, Asian, but I'm more uh, Vermont redneck than anything. Uh, my parents <laughs> adopted me and my brother and sister, three different uh, Korean kids from three, three different Korean families, but they couldn't have biological children of their own. And so they... I've always had a heart for missions and God kind of led them in that, that way. Was that just, you saw a need or was there something else from your parents or family where you really felt this uh, call towards the multi-ethnic um, diversity sphere? Yeah. So um, the vision of the, the church in the new Testament is of course, one of a, a multi-ethnic church where the gospel keeps breaking um, ethnic and, and racial barriers and pulling together one people um, out of many into this uh, one church under the leadership of, of Jesus. But um, for me, experientially coming to that was uh, 
everything changed for me my senior year of high school. I was I grew up in the church, but I was um, really living a, a, a dual life, and you know I knew how to act in church, but when I was with my friends, I was a completely different person. So um, I was, uh, you know, the classic, uh, the classic hypocrite that I was afraid of God. I didn't want to, um, I didn't want to go to hell. And so I wasn't denouncing my faith, but I was not living my faith at all. And, um, my senior year, uh, through a few events, all of that changed. And really the, every good gift of my adult life came from that year of, of, giving my life completely over to, to the Lord. So during that year, I um, made a commitment to Christian marriage and wanted to to honor the women that I was dating and also to, um, you know, be be committed to, uh, to to being married to to a woman who loved the Lord and and making that a lifelong thing. Um, I was living in a very multi-ethnic community the most multicultural and multi-ethnic uh, neighborhood that I've ever lived in. We moved, had just moved to the Detroit area and, um, and was, uh, so I was just, as part of my awakening to, to Christ, I was also being awakened to God's people that didn't look like me or, or act like me or even have the same cultural values as me. Um, I was mentored and, and discipled by an African-American coach during that, that season. And so um, he talked to me about all the the big things in life, you know, for a teenage boy, yeah. God, <laughs> girls, and and he made sure that um, that I w- my eyes were opened to some of the bigger uh, the bigger things in our in our world that um, Jesus wants to to affect. In fact, during that year, um, I invited him to my church, and and. Uh, I said, after service, I said, hey, coach, you know, what'd you think of all that? And he said, you know, Adam, um, it was great. You know, the gospel was preached. I believe the Holy Spirit was present, but I was the only black man in the room. And uh, look look at our neighborhood. It is, there's a reason for that. And that broke my heart. And uh, my heart has never been mended in in regard to that. I, it is a... um, a story that that drives me to be part of a, a church community in which both I and and the the person who discipled me and um, led me deeper into the faith uh, could both worship and minister in a way that is equitable and good and righteous. Well, that's certainly admirable, but uh, not just the fact that you had those thoughts, but now where God's led you. We talk about being a pastor in the past tense, but you still serve as a shepherd. But uh, Immigrant Connection, I just want to bring up the uh, website now. Talk about what led you to this endeavor. Yeah, so I really had to go back to my my calling story as I had thought this through, because it has been a significant, I, what feels like an identity shift. Although I think the same um, calling that led me to plant, you know, that I received to my senior year of high school that led me to plant City Life is working itself out in, in my new role as the director of development for Immigrant Connection. Um, you know, in my role as a pastor at City Life, one of the things that has been difficult in that is that um, when you plant a multi-ethnic church, uh, you have to think both about 
um, diversity and unity and equity. And um, we had, there's lots of different strategies that you can be intentional about to, to help foster that in a, in a community. And then part of it, honestly, is just a gift from the Holy Spirit um, that works itself out in the, in the church. But I've known for a few years that the Lord was going to do something with my role at, at City Life and would mean either um, removing me from that role or what I thought was going to happen is I thought that the church would call a, a pastor of color to be in a, in a very senior uh, leadership position and I would be accountable to, to him or her. So I thought that it would mean sort of a voluntary demotion. Sure. Um, but uh, this last year, uh, and I've also, we do have an immigrant connection site that's part of City Life. It is a passion area of mine. I'm very, very proud of the work that they're, they're doing. And I landed on the, on the board of Immigrant Connection um, just this last year when we, when we re, uh, reorganized. So I thought that, um, I thought that it, my role is going to change. I sense that clearly from, from the Lord. We, we were coming up with strategies for how that, that might work. And then I was sitting in a board meeting and uh, Immigrant Connection is just exploding right now. It is it is such an exciting ministry. We're growing like crazy. In the last seven years, it's been more of a movement than an organization. And we planted, you know, eight eight started eighteen sites, and we have sixteen in the pipeline right now. And so we're sitting in a board meeting over Zoom, and um, I was. Uh, I was being more vocal than I probably should have been. That's that's how I typically am in those meetings. I just I talk too much in business meetings. Um, I can't keep my mouth shut. And so we were looking at the possibility of doing perhaps a, a part time position, you know, adding a part time position to help fuel this growth, or a full time position. And I was vocally saying, you know, the winds at our back. We've got to go for this. God is obviously on our side. The Lord wants to speak loudly in this moment that that Jesus and his church loves immigrants. And so um, I end up giving this impassioned speech. And the, the board, um, I think, was also sensing this, those same sorts of things. And we all voted to uh, make this a, a full time position. So the, the Zoom meeting uh, shuts down and my phone rings. And Zach Zamara, who's the national director of, of Immigrant Connection, says, Adam, I have been <laughs> praying to my Jesus for months about this, and I think that you're the guy. And so that led to just a discernment process um, with Christy and I to figure out, you know, is, is the Lord in this? And we sensed that he was. So Adam, behind me, there's a picture of uh, some of those that you've served with that have helped uh, just really establish immigrant connection and being a part of a denomination that allows you that platform just to share the need i guess a difficult question is when you do not see the local church the denomination respond in a way that you believe so passionate how do you continue to take that step forward and i ask i got the opportunity to interview uh matt doherty i'm a big basketball fan he coached north carolina for a little bit and everything fell apart he told me that he needs to stay out of but away from the bitter river. And I think whether it's spiritual warfare or whatnot, it seems as though we can easily get to that bitter river, whether it's a local church pastor or whether it's something like this. How do you 
deal with seeing people not get as involved as you believe they should? Boy, that's a great word. Um, bitter river. I'm going to remember that, that phrase. I think that um, one of the things that uh, I have been involved in a desire to see a change in our nation and a value in our church um, in regards to immigration for, for a long time now. And so uh, I've seen the way that the rhetoric has is used um, and has changed over the course of the, the years. And what I've realized is that immigration itself is a wedge issue, but that's not a spe specifically American thing. Immigration has always been a wedge issue. It's it's something that people in power use to uh, to, to divide folks and exploit to to maintain their their power. So you know, if you were to to look at the beginning of the book of Exodus, um, it says there's a new pharaoh in town, and he doesn't know Joseph, who brought the the his family, uh, the Hebrew people, to to Egypt. Um, and the first bit of, of political rhetoric that is, is mentioned is um, it seemed like there were too many of those Hebrew folks around. We're afraid that they're going to become too powerful for us and that they're going to side with other nations. And so uh, they enslaved them. And that's that's just the history of nations. Uh, people use um, newcomers or the ethnic other to uh, gain and maintain political power. And I think that in in the United States, uh, that is something that is true, both sides, liberal and conservative, yeah, yeah. and everyone is dehumanized in that. So certainly, immigrants are, are dehumanized. They're um, they're called things that they're not. They're they're kind of blown up as this, you know, demons uh, yeah. by one side, or perhaps angels <laughs> by the other. Um, and so uh, immigrants are sort of divided up as these either angels or demons. They're not humans. Um, you know, certainly citizens of the country, residents of America are divided by this wedge issue. But then also politicians. We ascribe the same things to, to we dehumanize politicians in that too. They're either angels or, or demons. And I think good theology serves us well that um, people are people. And uh People are made in the image of, of God, whether they're immigrants or citizens or or even those in, in, in politics. They're people who are made in the image of, of God. God loves them and God has a purpose for their lives. And people are people. We have a, all of us have a sinful nature. And so um, we are neither angels nor demons. We're human beings right. who have uh, a destiny and that um Jesus uh, loves and, and, and came to came to save. So it's been helpful for me not to get co-opted by that, you know, national di discussion yeah. and to say, you know, I have, there's the conservative story, there's the liberal story, and then there's the story of God at work among his people. And uh, I've got to listen to God's story and act as an agent of God's kingdom in the world. Yeah, that's really good. Um, I was fortunate to interview uh, Dr. Joanne Lyon, and she, we kind of joked about me being in Vermont, and it's like the evil, cold-hearted Northeast. And she said it's so funny because God's there at work. It's not like mm -hmm. you need somebody to bring God there, but He's right. already at work. And uh, as I 
as I mentioned, I have extended family in Grand Rapids, which kind of is like the belt buckle of the Northeast by, or the Northern Bible Belt. And uh, my friend was saying, you know, people think like because their churches are those that attend church, that uh, they're still um, spiritually in trouble as those in Vermont that say, if I'm going to hell, then I want to go there where in Grand Rapids, they would say, well, I'm going to heaven, but they don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. And so we have an opportunity just to present Jesus wherever we are. And that's God's will. And Jesus was to do the will of the father. I guess the question in all of this is whether you say, or some say, not you specifically, this is not my president during the current administration, or the previous president, you said, this is not my president. Or whether it's the vaccine, I'm not going to go to your church because how could you receive the vaccine? Or how could you not receive the vaccine and keep people safe and still want to attend our church? With immigration specifically, how do we welcome the alien, the ones that come to us, whether that being literally an immigrant or somebody that enters our church building that has no background of Christian faith, the Bible, or any religious expectation. Yeah, I love it that you're linking both the newcomer to church and the the newcomer to to whatever our neighborhood is. I, I think that that is uh, is a helpful um, the, the the same drive that wants us to connect with that new person who doesn't know Jesus, who's entering our church building, scared for the first time. Um, it is that drive that I would love to tap into to help people understand the biblical call to welcome immigrants. In fact, um, we we kind of go back and forth in our reading of the New Testament. Uh, we go back and forth between those two things all the time. So um, if you were to read Matthew 25, where it says, uh, where Jesus says, I was a stranger and you welcomed me. So many of us pastors say, Look, church folk, like you have to be open and welcoming and you have to embrace the the newcomer to our to our church service because uh, they are the stranger that is Jesus is talking about. They're the they're the outsider that Jesus is is, is talking about. Um, but if you look at the Greek word for for stranger, that Greek word is immigrant. It's it's exactly the the, the word. It's the foreigner. So it's, it's the xenos. So, you know how when someone doesn't like an immigrant, we say they're xenophobic. Um, the, the word that is, is used in that, that passage is, is that same word. It's Jesus saying, I was an immigrant and you welcomed me. And so that same drive that would say, let's connect this, this person who's unchurched into the church community, let them hear the gospel and come alive. Um, it's that same sort of root that would cause us to say, there's a newcomer to our neighborhood. Um, Let's embrace that person and welcome them in the in the name of of Jesus and see what God might do in our broader community. Yeah, that's so good. Um, Adam Lipscomb, make it some time. Icwelcome.org, Icwelcome.org, also Facebook uh, backslash IC Welcome Immigrant Connection Welcome, and that's what we want to do as a local church. Adam, uh, before we get you out, just a couple specific questions. When we look at what everybody's saying is a border crisis or a border Mm -hmm. challenge, uh, I'm reminded that the church can get involved by going and helping. Specifically through Immigrant Connection, how have you been able to help those specifically regarding this border 
crisis challenge taking place right now? Yeah, you know, the border is getting all of the all of the news sound bites right now. And yeah, I think it's helpful to, to remember that that um, what happens at the border is part of a larger story. So it's a story that starts in a country of origin where perhaps some people people would feel unsafe or without opportunity. Um, and particularly in our southern border, it's, it's folks that feel unsafe in their their own community. Um, so it starts there. It uh, there's a a uh, dangerous journey that people embark on um, to to move borders. It's the same sort of journey that we see happening. You know, perhaps in the book of of Ruth, where there's a famine, and then um, and then uh, people you know switch borders, or even uh, with Joseph—well, not with Joseph, but with with Joseph's family. Joseph was sold into slavery, but his family comes because of of famine, um, war, famine, uh, natural disaster—all those things we see in the scripture as a reason for people that move. Um, it's the same sort of thing now. So it starts in the country of origin. And then it actually extends beyond the, the, the border into, into neighborhoods and in communities. Um, immigrant connection uh, helps with a specific piece of, of that journey. We help people um, find and maintain a lawful status. And um, we only have the, the, the laws of the United States to, as our, as our maps, so we're not, we're not helping people to, um, we're, we're not circumventing the, the law. We're just helping people navigate a very complicated system um, in a way that is affordable and accessible. So uh, we are, we're engaging in that big, big journey that people are, are, are going on by helping them uh, find, find lawful status. And then when they find lawful status, all sorts of good things open in their life, safety, security, opportunity to work, um, yeah, all sorts of good things. And again, you can uh, jump online, icwelcome.org, if you would like to uh, financially partner as well, icwelcome.org, also on Facebook at icwelcome. Um, I know that one of your children just celebrated their 13th birthday yesterday, so happy birthday to uh, to him. But when we think about, I was a, a youth pastor where they had a state college, and we had parents mm -hmm. Of those attending the youth group that said, Jeff, you need to help protect our kids from all this outside influence of this state college. And it wasn't me over spiritualizing or perhaps it was. It seemed as though God was saying, Jeff, I've given you this state college at your doorsteps for you to reach out and minister to whether it's immigration at the border or those that we can reach out through foster care, those in our own neighborhoods that uh, are just new to us. I think God is bringing us the mission field where we don't have to necessarily go. How important is it that Christians understand that dynamic, that it's not to protect us, to keep us from doing evil, but we can present the glory and the forgiveness and the hope of Jesus to those that are right outside our doors? Yeah, that is a, that's a great point. So um, I think... Uh, just like it's the same drive that would drive us to connect with a newcomer uh, to, our, to our church and a newcomer to our neighborhood, it, it's that same missions drive that would say, let's send someone to preach the gospel in another country um, and let's welcome someone from another country uh, to, to also be part of, of uh, what God's doing in our midst. Um, 
so certainly developing a, a good theology of, of nations is the task of the church in this moment to say, you know, God is, God is at work among all people groups around the world that he desires a church uh, that draws disciples from every nation. Um, one of the interesting things that uh, we've been reflecting on Immigrant Connection is that the church is actually alive right now in the global south and is struggling in the American church, in the Western church. And uh, we sense that, and, um, you know, in terms of immigrants that come to the United States, uh, immigrants are more likely to be Christians than sometimes citizens are. So just the, the number of Christian immigrants that are coming to the United States is, is significant. Um, we, we think that God might be using uh, the, the church um, abroad to uh, influence the, the church in America through Im immigration. So um, we're seeing churches come alive who are embrace, embracing immigrant Christians um, because they have a faith that is that is alive and uh, that is is powerful. Um, you know, that's that's the story of the first immigrant connection site in Logansport, Indiana. There was a, a church that was uh, just headed toward demise. We thought that it was going to we thought that it was going to die. And um, the first immigrant connections site started, this church developed an ethos of, of welcoming um, immigrants that were part of Logansport, Indiana. And uh, the church is now just thriving, the Bridge Church in, in Logansport, Indiana. It is a vibrant community and uh, is just, I mean, they're sharing the gospel, people are coming to faith. Um, the church is growing. They're very connected in, in their community. Their community would mourn if this church were, were not in existence. Mm -hmm. They're solving problems in, in their community. It is, it is a beautiful, beautiful thing. So I think God's going to use immigrants to revitalize the church. And I think it's part of the next great awakening. So Adam, a question that I have for you is you and your wife, you said at the beginning of uh, this time together that you were a little bit on separate pages, different pages, and God brought you mm -hmm. together. You planted a church. With this endeavor, do you still find some of the same struggles with your wife and family, or do you still see yourselves just connected as you move forward with Immigrant Connection? You were so insightful with your questions, Jeff. So um, we... You know, there have been a, a in our relationship, I've always been the one to to kind of want to jump first. And so uh, I have that sort of church planter drive in me. And so there have been a few moments um, ill-timed when I've said, let's go plant again. Let's let's plant another church or uh, even pushing city life to plant again when you know, we're in the middle of a crisis. I'm like, this is a perfect time for church planting. Let's <laughs> let's do it. Um, so, uh, there've been a, a few times in our journey where, uh, we've, our relationship has been a, a good check on impulses that, that we would have in this journey. Um, it became clear very early on that we were, were on the same page that, that Christy was, was sensing the Lord was in this as well. It has meant significant change for our family. Um, pretty radical upheaval. Um, Christie's become the lead pastor of, of city life and, uh, we'd been co-pastoring for a long time. So she describes that as like losing a Siamese twin, <laughs> you know, we'd learned yeah. to do things a particular way. Um, 
but in that I'm already seeing some good, good health in the church. I think God has obviously called her to do this and she is, uh, you know, equipped by the Holy spirit to do this work. Um, that has been a, a huge change for her, possibly more significant than my resign, you know, the change that happened in my life when I resigned and took on this new role. Um, you know, this new role for me is, is, uh, very different than pastoral ministry. So there's a steep learning curve. I'm, I learned something one day and then I implement it the next. And it's been like that every day <laughs> that I've been in this role. Um, and it's been a big change for our, for our family as, as well. But we sense that God's in it. I love being part of city life as a church member and not in a pastoral role. It's I'm discovering it's a great church to be part of as a, as a church member, which is a lot of fun. I don't know how to handle worshiping right now because I'm used to going through a worship service, trying to will that everything goes right. You know, I have this overdeveloped sense of like my control over a worship service. And I'm always thinking about what am I going to say when I get up there and how am I going to make this smooth transition? And without that, um, I don't know how to handle worship when it's just right, right. all in. I feel like I'm going to float every Sunday. I just sob through every service. <laughs> um, it's been a, a really good, joyful experience for me. And perhaps God could be revealing to you how other people have felt just with that empathy to uh, reach people more effectively. Uh, Adam Lipscomb, make it some time, icwelcome.org. And uh, certainly, and I do not mean to diminish thoughts and prayers at well. Uh, prayers are just so critically important, mm -hmm. but it does take financial resources. And so if God is connecting with your heart as you listen to this live or somebody shares with it after, just go to their website, just uh, click get involved. And there's certainly ways to uh, get involved in those ways. But Adam, we just thank you so much. Uh, kind of a fun question to get you out on. And that is if or when, maybe in your case, uh, when a feature film is made about your life, who mm -hmm. plays you in that feature film? Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh, who plays me in the a feature film? I have no idea. Someone well, well, handsome and dashing, of of course, right? Well, well that's well, while you think about someone specific, I like to say because we look so much alike, I say this tongue in cheek, but the rock Dwayne Johnson, because if he's playing me, you know, at least it'd be nice to look muscular. So so that's my go-to is Dwayne the Rock Johnson. But uh you just want somebody handsome and dapper? Is that yeah, that's that's exactly what I'm that's that's what I'm going for. So, someone that someone that looks slightly like me, but just you know, better. <laughs> that, that, that works for me as well. But uh, Adam, two quick things. First, how can we be praying for you and your family, not your ministry, just you and your family? And then I will impose on you just to pray for us here in Vermont. But first of all, how can we be praying for you and your family? Yeah, you can. Um, I, I feel like I've been praying uh, these prayers that are sort of all encompassing right now. Um, so certainly, uh, you can pray for immigrant connection. We're, we're growing, um, well, not the ministry, but, uh, I am growing a lot in that role. Um, I'm in a very new, very new space. Um, and it's, it's a, you know, I've, I've done 15 years of the same sorts of ministry and now I'm doing something different. So you pray for my expanded ability to think quickly and to, to grow quickly. Um, you know, if I could, if I could be a little, uh, we're on the internet, this is a live broadcast, but I, if I could be a little vulnerable, if you could pray for 
I have two sons, uh, two teenage boys, and I want more than anything for them to have a living faith. And I remember as a teenager going through most of my teenage years without that, and it was terrible. And um, one of my boys, I think, is experiencing that right now. And uh, I just want him to come alive to the good news of, of Jesus and to um, experience the Holy Spirit in, in a brand new way. And so if you could pray for my son, for his, uh, for his faith journey, that God would draw him to himself and that he would come fully alive in Jesus, uh, boy, that'd be the best thing you could pray for me right now. Well, uh, as I said in Bible college, I will dial, I will pray first, and then I will allow you to hang up. So if you would just conclude yeah. our prayer. But let me pray. Jesus, we thank you how you unite hearts and you call your family together. And Father, we thank you because you are good. You knew about this day before we were even born, and you love us and our families more than we love them. So Jesus, let your will be done bring Christians into our family's path that reveal and display you in a mm -hmm. miraculous way. And as you draw hearts, may our children and may we be bold enough to courageously obey you and take that step of faith and embrace you and understand that you have the best for us, that we would endure trial because out of it you bring perseverance and out of suffering your promises are made true. So, Jesus, we just lift up Adam and his family to you in a special way that you would provide for them, not only financially, but just with the power of your presence, that it would be felt and known and received and embraced today. We thank you, God, because you are just that good. We love you, Father, and it's in your name we say thank you and amen. Yes. And Lord God, I do pray for uh, Pastor Jeff and his church there in Vermont. And God, I, I do ask that there would be a, a greater awakening that happens uh, in that church, in that community. God, I'm so thankful that uh, that you have a, a church there that that loves the gospel and that is alive and that is um, that is full of faith. I pray that more and more people would would come to Christ. God, as we come out of this pandemic, I ask that there would be a, a great, greater awakening that happens in your, your church, both there in Vermont and across the United States. Lord, um, your church has been through a lot this, this last year, uh, less, less, these last few years, um, both here and, and around the world. And uh, we know that you're the giver of good gifts and that so often you follow um, hardship and um, tough times with with your blessing and your um, your revival, and so we do ask for for that in this season. We ask it for um, for this church, and we ask it for churches across this nation that you would be um, awakening hearts and minds and churches uh, to to the the goodness of the, of the gospel of Jesus. Lord, we ask this in your name, and we know that you are the leader of, of the church and that you are, are wise and good. So in your name we pray. Amen. Amen, Adam. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for the opportunity, Pastor Jeff.
Yeah, again, that's Adam Litzcombe making some time. ICWelcome.org is where you can find more information, certainly on uh, the web as well. Well, on the web at ICWelcome.org, but on Facebook as well at ICWelcome. Thanks all. We'll talk to you soon. Make some time. Reach out to people. Let God live in you, but also through you on this beautiful day. Thanks all.